Thanks, everybody. Thank you for your warm welcome. Uh, I did the, made the trip with my boy, Josiah, a bit of a boys' weekend. So we came down last night and uh, hung out in the city. And uh, just great to be here to celebrate. I, I love the fact that it doesn't matter which campus you go to, it always feels like home. Uh, when, you, when you come and, uh, and just welcome, uh, we'll feel the welcome. So great to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to continue in our series, There is a King. We are talking about the king that was born, Jesus. And I've titled this message, Our Finest Gifts We Bring. Now, some of you may know the song, Little Drummer Boy, Our Finest Gifts We Bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. I won't sing the song, but I will preach a message talking about the gifts that, uh, that the, the magi or the, the wise men brought to Jesus. Sometimes I got a little bit confused. Was it magi or was it magi? If it was magi, did they also bring recipes and noodles? I don't know, but um, anyway. I want to talk about three gifts today. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Would you read with me from Matthew chapter 2 as we look at it this morning? Verses 9 through to 11. After listening to the king, they went on their way, they being the wise men. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Would you pray with me this morning as we, we look at the word together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift you gave us when you gave us Jesus. Thank you that you came into a world that was perishing, and you gave Jesus, who would bring life and hope to us. And uh, as these wise men set the example of the gifts that we would bring to you, may our response be the same this Christmas. May we bring gifts to you, Jesus, our King, that uh, you would receive our worship and our honor and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many people love Christmas? You love the, the, the atmosphere of Christmas? How many Grinches? Have we got any Grinches in the place? Don't like Christmas at all. You know, get a bit grumpy around Christmas time. All right. How many people have um, already got the Christmas tree up? Any 1st of December Christmas tree put her up or is? Great. Wonderful. That is traditionally what we would do. We would put the tree up on December 1st, but uh, with board of trustees, prize givings, everything that was happening in our, in our you know, year so far, we decided to put our tree up about a week early. So it was, we kind of broke tradition a little bit. We put it up early. Um, now, Josiah and I, so Josiah is our middle boy. We've got an older girl and a younger girl. And uh, Josiah and I, we could take or leave the Christmas tree, to be honest. You know, it's, it's fine. But we're not really, you know, that focused on the Christmas tree. Unfortunately, we got voted out three to two, so um, Christmas tree went up. Now, my Rosie, she loves to sing. She is all about music and worship, and she loves Christmas carols. In fact, in July, she's trying to put it in the family playlist as we're driving. It's like, no, you know, Josiah and I, we resist the Christmas carols till at least... It ended up being about November when we finally budged, and in they came, and they'll be there probably through to March, we, we reckon. So, uh, how, many, how many have finished their Christmas shopping already? High achievers right there. Well done. Congratulations. How many 11th hour shoppers? Love the thrill of the 11th hour shop. Yeah, come on. That's me. I like it Christmas Eve if I can. We'll finish our Christmas Eve service and I will head out to the warehouse or wherever it is to go get my gifts. In fact, Amy and I, we've got a really good deal going. She bought her own gift this year. 
She gave it to me, I wrapped it, and she'll open it up on Christmas Day and go, wow, that's amazing. So there you go, there's a little tip for you, baby. But uh, you know, with, our, with our gift giving, um, that's not really my love language. I, again, I could t- you know, give or take gifts, no, no problem. But uh, Amy loves to give gifts. And so she will start shopping for Christmas gifts in July. And she will buy them and then come around September. She's like, oh, I've got these gifts I want to give to the kids. So she will give gifts in September, like Christmas gifts in September. And then she goes, oh, there's no more gifts left. So what does she do? She'll have to go out and buy some more gifts. So, you know, there's some, some things that you, you know, you've got to wrestle through as a couple. I just leave that one alone. It's like, it's not that big a deal. So, any gift givers? We've got some gift givers here. All right, so lean in. You'll enjoy this. Any non-gift givers? Just pretend you're interested for the next 15 minutes and we'll, we'll be just fine. But um, I want to look at the gifts that the wise men bought uh, to the king, King Jesus. And the first one they bought was gold. Now, gold was, it was interesting that they bought gold. When I think of gold, I think of first place. A gold medal is the first, it's the best. And so for me, when I think of gold, I think of honor or a tribute to a king. They bought honor to the king. And this, this Christmas, I, I would pray and I would hope that to Jesus, we would give the gift of honor. And what does that mean for us? Because it's not about giving money to Jesus, but it's about giving ourselves, that we would be present. We would give the gift of being present. You know, Jesus wants to be present in our lives, and it's very easy for us to be so busy with Christmas that we forget Jesus is the reason and the purpose for Christmas. We can be so busy that we get to Christmas Day and we go, what was this all about? Was it just presents? No, it was about being present with Jesus. Have you ever been driving and you end up at a destination and you don't really remember how you got there? Some would call that old age, but, but some would be also call it just being distracted. You know, you're driving and you can see the, the sky tower in your, in your periphery and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the North Shore and you go, how did I get here? It's like you're present physically, your body is here, but, but actually your mind is completely distracted. You're elsewhere. Is it possible that we find ourselves in our relationships like that? Distracted from our spouse? We find ourselves, uh, my, my children, they say to us, Dad, Mum, you're mm-mm-ing again. Mm-mm-ing again. What, what, what do I mean by that? You're mm-ing again. Hey, Dad, 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 mm 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 I'm not there. I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm distracted. You know, we've got a rule in our house now, applies to adults and children. Um, this is one of our rules. We, we don't have to answer if the person calls from the other room. Okay, that works really well. I can hear you, but if you're not in the same room, I don't have to answer. That's our house rule. But another one is we have to look at each other. It's like, can I see your eyes? Amy has to say this to me sometimes too. Can I see your eyes? If I can see your eyes, it means that you are present here with me not distracted on something else. Jesus, God himself, he was fully present here with us on earth. You know, one of the greatest verses in the Bible is John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his best, his first and his best to us. He gave himself and it wasn't his wealth, it was his presence, body, soul, spirit. 
Oh, Jesus would have missed the closeness of the intimacy of his Father in heaven that they had before he spent his time on earth. Jesus chose to be present with us. Emmanuel, God with us. As Jesus ministered to people, he would, he would walk with purpose. He would, every day was with a purpose. The Bible says, for the passion set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was his passion? It was you. You, me. We were his passion. We are the passion that Jesus lived his life for and died for. And so when Jesus was, was living, he was also fully present. One time Jesus was walking out of a town and as he's heading towards his destination, he hears the cry of Bartimaeus, a blind beggar on the side of the road. There were probably people all around him shouting and calling his name. And yet there was something in Bartimaeus that Jesus understood and felt that faith, experienced that faith and call him over. Incredible miracle took place. He was present. He was there. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Again, Jesus heading somewhere else, but she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch him, I'll get my miracle. And she reached out and she touched him. Jesus felt power go out of his body, healing because he was present. This Christmas, would we give God the honor of our presence, that we would receive him, that we would make time for him, Sometimes the greatest present you can give is your presence. Would you give that to your loved ones? Would you give that to Jesus? And it's all about living today. You know, Matthew 6.34, Jesus gave some good advice. He said, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many people could testify to that in 2020? Each day has trouble of its own. In other words, Jesus was saying, live here, live now, live today, be present today. Don't be present with your mind living in tomorrow, or even worse, that we will be present here today and our mind is in yesterday. Yesterday's mistakes, yesterday's failures, yesterday's disappointments. Let's live today and enjoy the moment and give that gift of being present. My wife Amy has this habit of wanting to speak speak to me during sports news. Now, I don't know if anyone else has that problem in their home, but sports news is about eight minutes long. So she's watched the rest of the news and she's done. It was like, but the best part of the news has just arrived. And so we're starting with the sports news. And so it's eight minutes long and she wants to, so she's finished watching 32 minutes of, now I'm just doing the, the sheer maths on this, all right? I'm, I'm not asking for a lot, but she wants to speak to me during the sports news. It's a problem, I tell you. And so she starts talking, and I'm, mm, 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 yeah, right? Now, there's two, obviously, only two options here. The first one is that I hit pause or, you know, turn the TV off, and I give her my full attention. The other option is that she waits six more minutes and talks to me afterwards. So we do what, it, what every couple would do, we, we compromise. And I turn the television off. Just saying, you know, every marriage can work if you just simply compromise. 
But you know what? If we're struggling to be present this Christmas with those that we love, if we're struggling to be present with Jesus this Christmas because we're so busy, maybe here's two prayers we could pray. The first one, Lord, show me who I need to give the gift of being present. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor who you just kind of brush off. Maybe it's a colleague at work who maybe just annoys or frustrates you a little bit and you just can't be bothered with them. Maybe bother a little. Maybe be present in this coming week. Give them time and attention. Give them that honor. But what if we're struggling to make room for Jesus this Christmas? Here's another prayer we can pray. Lord, help me make room to enjoy your presence this Christmas. Let's not be about the presence around the tree, but let's be about his presence. Let's find a moment in the busy schedule to just stop and say thank you and give honor to Jesus this Christmas. The second gift we must remember to give this Christmas comes from the wise man's gift of frankincense. Now, frankincense was used as, a, as an incense in the temple. When people would smell this, this incense, there would be uh, this, this draw to, to worship. It was like the fragrance of worship. This beautiful gift that was given to Jesus was in, in honor or remembrance and, and a foresight for what was coming would be worship. And I believe this Christmas we can give Jesus the gift of worship. What does that mean? What, what, is, what is worship? Well, worship is full surrender. You know, in Romans, we're told that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. That is our spiritual act of worship. So if you want to know what worship looks like, give your life fully to God. In full surrender, what does that look like? Well, I know for me, when I'm worshiping, when I'm singing songs, I lift my hands. Why? People say, well, I don't have to lift my hands. True, but I'd ask the question, but would you? Could you? For some people to lift their hands and worship is, is embarrassing. What will people think? How will people respond? They'll look at me strangely. I gave that up a long time ago. I don't care. I made the decision I will be the worship leader of every row I sit in. Whether I'm in the back row or in the front row or whether I'm out the back. I'm just going to worship with all of my heart and full surrender to God. And you notice someone's in here going, what does it mean to worship God? I'll, I'll look at Mike. He looks like he's a bit of a loony, but he looks like he's fully surrendered to God. So that's my heart, that I would give myself fully surrendered to God. As when my children were much younger, they would run to me, you know, as, as, as children do with their arms raised. Dad, dad, dad. What do they want? They want to cuddle. They want a hug. They want intimacy with their father. My response is, no, 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 go away. I don't want that. <laughs> of course not. It's like that is the greatest thing for a parent, right? Isn't that the moment that matters most when your kids want to come in for a cuddle? It's like, oh. And I mean, I'm a physical touch guy too. Right? That's my love language. So any hugs go a long way with me. But there's something about it with my kids it's this act of surrender, this complete trust in their father. When we lift our hands and worship to God, we're saying, Abba, Father, Daddy, I surrender. I'm in your hands. What a gift that we can give to God. Matthew 2 verse 10, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. You know, these kings, these, these wise men, whichever version you read, 
they were, they were men of significance. They had important roles. And here they were turning up to a manger in a stable in a little old town called Bethlehem of no worth, of no value, but there was something in them that recognized that they were coming to worship a king. And so they came in full surrender. They lay down at the feet of Jesus. Now, obviously, the, the story pictures the, the wise men arriving right after the shepherds. It was probably two years after. Scholars, most scholars would say that the wise men actually arrived. But the fact that they gave up two years of their life to go on that journey to worship the king, that says something of the surrender and the sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, as, as Jesus gave a sacrifice, so should we respond. I have been crucified with Christ, says Paul, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Jesus gave everything for us. Would we do the same for him? To fully receive and accept the love of God requires an act of surrender, a giving over of our rights and our will to take up his will and his desire. In Matthew 16, 24 to 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake We'll find it. So the prayer we can pray if we would consider giving our worship to Jesus is, Lord, what must I surrender to worship you? What is it that we're holding on to? What is it that we won't let go this Christmas to fully worship God? Is it a relationship? Is it an unhealthy habit? Is it an addiction? That is, that is filling our life, that place that could be surrendered to God in worship. Would we surrender that to God? And the last thing as the team come this morning, the third gift that the wise men bought was myrrh. Now myrrh was an interesting gift because primarily it was used for the embalming of bodies. Try taking that to a baby shower. Hey, congratulations, you're having a baby. What is this? It's myrrh. What do you use myrrh for? Embalming dead bodies. Congratulations. <laughs> Not quite the, the baby shower gift you would expect. But such a significant gift that these men would recognize that Jesus' death was even more significant than his birth. Plenty of men and women have been born throughout all of history. But no one died and rose to life like Jesus did for the forgiveness and the saving of the world. And so these men recognized that actually Jesus' death was significant. But myrrh was also used as, a, as an agent for healing. It was used as a, to, 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 to bring healing, restoration to a body. And that's what I believe this myrrh represents is a healing. See, Jesus came so that our bodies would be healed, but, but more importantly, our sins would be forgiven. That that which was broken would be made whole. That, that which was far from, from God, that which was perishing, would be made right with him again. So the third gift we can give this Christmas and receive, we need to receive the gift of forgiveness. But also we need to forgive others. Forgive as I 
have been forgiven. Amy and I have been in ministry over 20 years now, working with variation of children and youth and adults, and probably had hundreds of conversations. And the same thing comes up all the time, where people dig their heels in, they can never move past something in their relationship, and it comes down to offense and unforgiveness. That person did that to me, and I just can't let it go. Unforgiveness not only puts that person in prison, but ourselves. There's a great parable in the Bible, and I won't go into it, but what happened is when the unmerciful servant didn't forgive the one who owed him something, he was also put in prison. Both people in prison, unable to get out until one would repay the debt. So when we make a choice to forgive someone else, we set them free and we set ourselves free. And maybe even in this last week, you've woken up in the dead of the night. The dark is where you develop your negatives, right? Maybe in the middle of the night you've woken up and that person, that thing they did to you, that thing that's caused offense in your heart and churns in your stomach and it, it just makes you get angry and frustrated and you lose all of your peace. Maybe that's been your last week. That person, let me tell you, forgiveness does not mean that what they did was right. Please understand that. People here sitting here today, horrendous things have happened to you. People have, have hurt you, have abused you. None of that is right, what they did. But you don't have to live in the pain of that for all of your life. You can find an ability, not in your strength, but in God's strength, to ask for forgiveness and to forgive others. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I don't know whether you write notes in your Bible, but this would be a good time to put a big line underneath the word must. So you also must forgive. It doesn't sound like a suggestion to me. <laughs> it sounds like a very strong command or recommendation. You must forgive, otherwise you'll be forever in that prison of offense. Forgiveness is a powerful gift to receive and it is such a powerful gift to give. And how do we forgive? <laughs> but by recognizing what Jesus did for us. Has anyone ever been, you know, like done something wrong, made a mistake, sinned? Anyone, anyone guilty of you know, making a mistake in their life? Yeah. Anyone ever been forgiven for maybe that mistake that they, they did intentionally or unintentionally? I, I, the reality is all of us have. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We've all done something wrong. Some of the men are going, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure. Come on, how big was that fish really? I mean, really, it wasn't that big. You just lied. Yeah, seriously. But we've all been forgiven. And yet we find it hard to forgive someone else even though we have been forgiven. And it is only through God that we can actually have the power to forgive. 
As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. What a gift we've received, that gift of forgiveness. And today I want to invite anybody here today. I don't know what your walk with God has been like, whether you find yourself here today for the very first time saying, I'm not even sure why I'm here in church. Well, here's why you're in church. Because God has drawn you. God loves you. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Why did he have to die? Because the world had a problem and the problem was sin. Sin is what separates us from God. It, 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 God is a holy God and sin is what separates us from him in relationship. The only way that sin can be paid for is for someone who is perfect to die. That's where Jesus came in. Jesus came lived fully God, fully man. He had every opportunity and temptation afforded to man, just like, just like you and I have, but Jesus did not sin. He was a perfect human being. Because of that, he also became a perfect sacrifice. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sin. But because Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, we could have forgiveness, we could have eternal life, there's only one way to God the Father. The world would say there's lots of ways. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one else gets to the Father except through me. Today, Jesus is saying, come to the Father. Come to the Father through me. I'd love to pray a prayer with you. Pray a prayer that many people in this room have prayed. Some as recent as last week. Some 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, they prayed that prayer. Would you pray this prayer, asking God to forgive your sins and to come into your life, forgive you and make you whole? Would you mind just bowing your head as a moment of focus, just to give God your full attention right now with no distraction? You can pray out loud or you can pray in your heart after me. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that while I was a sinner, you sent Jesus to die for me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for my sin. I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today. In Jesus' name.